You're listening to a Philly Sports Nation production. Enhancing your Philly sports experience. What is going on, Eagles Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Birds Banter Podcast. Today, I have Eric Fenstermaker on with me. Eric is a Penn State student. He's a writer for the Birds Informer, and uh, he does a lot of great work on Twitter. His handle is Eric S. Fenste. Eric, how are you doing today? Pretty good, man. Eagles in the playoffs, so not much to complain about. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I'm happy to talk about Eagles football. Obviously, preparing for an Eagles playoff game, something that we didn't really expect to have going for us at this point, but... Very exciting to talk about. Um, first things first, since the last time I talked to you guys, um, we have a little bit more closure on the injury updates. So just to run down the list real quick, um, there's updates for Dejon Hall, Miles Sanders, Zach Ertz, Lane Johnson, and Brandon Brooks. And when I talked to you guys after the game on Sunday, I kicked things off with injuries yet again. Uh, it seems like a very common trend so far this season because it seems like every single drive, either an offensive player or a defensive player, was going down with an injury. Um, the blue medical tent was always up. Uh, players are going back to the locker room, but thankfully we have a little bit more closure and some, some sort of positive updates starting off with Deshaun Hall. Um, he was placed on IR with a torn ACL. He tore the ACL on the last play of the game against the giants and he's replaced his roster spot is replaced with Elijah Holyfield. Um, who's re- really good in college. He's running back from uh, Georgia. He, was signed as an undrafted free agent with the Panthers, was just hanging around on their practice squad. Eagles snatched him up. Uh, but going back to Deshaun Hall, he does have a knee injury history. He was a third-round pick, but just really wasn't able to start um, as an NFL player because he got hurt his rookie year. And um, I think that is a little bit troubling to show that he's getting another knee injury, um, specifically the ACL. And at this point, not only is he missing the playoffs, but he might not even be ready for week one. The ACL injury, as we all know, is not one that you want to mess around with. So um, that's something to monitor going into the offseason, training camp, and preseason. Um, but the big name, Miles Sanders. Um, as we all know, Eric, I mean, I'm sure you've been watching every single game. You've been analyzing Miles Sanders a lot, um, especially because you're at uh, Penn State now. But he's an electric player, both in the running game and the passing game. He's the focal point of the offense right now. How important is it for him to play this game? I mean, you kind of you kind of summed it up perfectly there. I mean, Miles Sanders has been that guy, both rushing and catching. He's been by far the biggest spark out of the draft class we've had the last season. I mean, I wish Arthega White had to pan out a bit better, but to get a guy like Miles Sanders where they did, he was absolutely a steal of the draft, in my opinion, just with what he's brought for the Eagles, not only this season, but I think what he'll bring for years to come, but specifically just for this matchup, I think he's going to take a lot of pressure off of Carson Wentz if he's able to play. I understand Jordan Howard's really, really good. I understand that Holyfield brings a lot to the table if he's able to get a prominent role, not to mention Boston Scott, too. But for me, a lot of this, Andrew, uh, this, a lot of this offense relies on Miles Sanders and his ability to get going, his ability to create for the Eagles. Maybe not him specifically, but for the attention he takes away from other key stars like maybe Goddard, Ortega Whiteside, and even just the pressure off of Wentz. So, I don't think you can say in words how important it is for Sanders to play, but if he's not, it's going to be next man up, and that's not a common 
spread that the Eagles have had to manage with all season long. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's dealing with that ankle injury. And after the game, um, Adam Kaplan, insider for the Eagles, was saying that he's hearing that it's a serious injury, but it's probably not the high ankle sprain. That's the one that you want to avoid because that sits players out for about four to six weeks. But he did avoid that. It's just a um, normal ankle injury. But, you know, it's going to be tough for him to step on the field today as we're speaking. Um, the Eagles are practicing and he's not on the practice field yet. Um, Zach Ertz and Lane Johnson, who we'll talk about later, they are on the field. But um, Miles Sanders, I I fully imagine that the Eagles coaching staff and Sanders himself are going to be pushing to play um, the number 26 on Sunday because he's such an important piece. Um, it seems like he started slow to the season. He I was criticizing him a little bit because, you know, he had the fumbling issue to start the season. He wasn't hitting the holes that he was supposed to and um, wasn't as good catching the football. But then as the season went on, as Howard got hurt later in the year, Sanders is now an offensive rookie of the year candidate. Um, he's playing so good. He's breaking records for the Eagles as a rookie. Um, there's not enough good things to say about him and to lose him another offensive weapon. They've lost so many already. It would hurt so much. But um, my only concern with playing him, obviously if players are 50, 50 in the playoffs, they're going to be on the field. They want to give the team the best chance to win the game. Um, so I think he will definitely step onto the field. But with that ankle injury and with how much they use him, um, Eric, do you think he'll be able to last? And if the Eagles win, is he going to be ready to go for future games? I mean, yeah, it's, it's a very, very interesting point you bring up because it's not only just this game you have to worry about. It's potentially if he plays the full game, if he, you know, he's going to want to play, like you said, he's going to want to get up to 100%. He's going to want to play every single down, catch every single pass, rush every single time, because that's the kind of character that he is. If he goes out there and just one freak incident, freak cut left or right, would damage that even further down the line. I think the Eagles would be very hesitant to play him. If they do, it come down the line. We'll see come Sunday. But I think if they do, he'll be in a very limited role, especially with Scott and Sanders both going to be there. Uh, sorry, Scott and uh, Howard. I think the Eagles will use him in a very confined way. I would push for Sanders to play just because it is a playoff game. I think he will in some capacity, but don't do anything that's going to jeopardize somebody like that long-term. I think Sanders has shown that he's somebody who is a catalyst in the offense, especially when just about everybody else goes down. But not only that, he's a huge fan favorite. I remember going to the Eagles open practice. He was definitely somebody who fans wanted to see. They were excited to see afterwards for autographs and just going to talk with the guy. He's very likable. Like you said, he's an offensive rookie of the year candidate. For me, he is. I don't think he's, I can't really think of anybody else that I would argue against him right now. I think a lot of people are putting up, Guys like Perry McLaurin and Josh Jacobs, those aren't guys I would argue against right now. I think Miles Sanders has definitely blown them away the last couple of weeks. But I think just the impact that Miles Sanders has had down the stretch the last three, four games, he is a guy who's going to transform this franchise, especially it's needed a dynamic running back since LaShawn McCoy. So I would push that he plays this game, but I would be very, very hesitant to see what kind of role he plays. Don't overuse him. Definitely. Uh, you, got it, you got it right there. So I think that... He should definitely try to suit up um, against the Seahawks, but I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't think he should have the same role as he has in weeks past, especially with Howard out of the games uh, the past couple of weeks, because he's been getting the ball so much, not only rushing the football, but catching the football out of the backfield, uh, running routes. He's been used so much. And um, I just think that if he steps into that role, the ankle is not going to hold up. Uh, that's a very tough injury to play with, especially for a running back that's constantly running and trying to um, block the pass rushers as well. He's going to be 
has had to have his hands full all game. Um, but the fact that the Eagles have Jordan Howard, who's going to be fresh, he didn't. He only played one snap against the Giants and didn't even get a, a rushing attempt because they just want to make sure that he is slowly eased back into the practice and game scenarios. Um, but he's completely fresh because he hasn't played football in what almost two months, and it was an upper body injury. His legs are still good to go. Uh, Boston Scott is the hot hand right now in the offense, and then they just signed Elijah Holyfield, who he is going to be fresh, and he's another power back. So. I think the Eagles are pretty set at the running back position. Obviously, having Sanders is a huge bonus, but I think he should definitely step in and just see, you know, 10, 15 touches, not the 20, 25, maybe 30 that he's getting between rushing and catching the football because that's just not going to be enough for him. Um, Hopefully, he can, you know, rest up between this week and then if the Eagles get the victory, rest up next week and then be ready to go and be the focal point in the following week. Um, But another play that's a big focal point for this Eagles offense is Zach Ertz. So Zach Ertz didn't play week 17 because he had that fractured rib and lacerated kidney. That's not something that you want to mess around with. But Ertz is limited in practice this week. He started off uh, today working on the side. Hopefully he gets worked in a little bit more. I saw that um, he might be getting some first rep, uh, first team rep uh, work with the offense so far this week. Um, But that's something that you really need to be careful with. Ertz is still awaiting medical clearance to play on Sunday. I think if he wants to play, if the coaching staff wants him to play, there's going to be a little bit of, uh, you know, all right, like let's let's push to make this happen. Um, just try to get the medical staff to get him to give him the clear to go. Um, but it'd be huge if he could play. Obviously, we know Ertz's impact not only in the um, catching the football, but his route running is incredible. He's definitely the best player on the offense besides Carson Wentz. Um, but is it worth it? Is that last rate kidney worth it to play with? It's similar to Sanders. These players, they're still human beings. Is it worth putting this um, offensive threat out on the field, knowing that it could be detrimental to their overall health? I think anytime you're an athlete, you have any kind of injury. And if your coach and anybody who's on the medical staff says you can play, you're going to try to. And I think it's very hard to compensate sometimes when you have injuries to say, okay, I think I'm at 60% when I might actually be at 40% or something like that. But I think if Ertz or Sanders even tries to go out there, I think they're going to try to play a little bit too much to the point where they do risk injuring themselves. And for me, just when I hear like lacerated kidney, to me, that just sounds so much worse than ankle. I mean, I don't know, you know, if you rank the hierarchy of injuries in the world, I don't know where that falls. But to me, that just sounds really, really dangerous. And to a guy like Zach Ertz, who matters an incredible amount to this franchise, like you said, his route running, his blocking. Unfortunately, he's not the yards after catch guy you want him to be, but just about practically anything else he could be. Zach Ertz is that guy. He's Carson Wentz's safety blanket. He's a franchise leader. He's a guy in the locker room you want there. And for one playoff game that I honestly think the Eagles have a pretty good shot of beating the Seahawks with or without Zach Ertz, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, which I'm sure you'll love to jump into. But I think Zach Ertz is a guy who's going to be instrumental like Miles Sanders down the line for this franchise. And for one playoff game, win or loss, I don't think that this is worth it for Zach Ertz, especially with a kidney like that. Any kind of internal organ I would not mess around with. I'd even be more hesitant to that as opposed to an ankle injury. But just I don't think it's worth it, especially kind of guy like Zach Ertz. Yeah, you have to find the balance between wanting to play and give your team the best chance in the playoffs. And also, what is this going to mean for my overall health? Um, not only for this game, but next week, this offseason, and potentially going into the next season. Um, we saw Alshon Jeffrey the past two seasons. He played 
throughout the Super Bowl year with a dislocated shoulder or a torn rotator cuff. And then um, he played last year against the Saints in the playoffs um, with that fractured rib, similar to the one injury that Ertz has right now. Players want to play through all these. Jason Kelsey had a ton of injuries last year, played through all of them. It's not uncommon for players to do, but once you throw in a lacerated kidney, that's where I start to question it. Um, that's where I start to say I think Ertz probably shouldn't step out on the field. I know he's going to want to. He's he's so tough. He wants to give the team the best chance to win. Um, that's what any good competitor will want to do. But he has to understand that um, this one game is not going to be, um, you know, so important that he has to play and risk his overall health to it. Obviously, the Eagles want to make it as far as possible, but um, obviously with this type of injury, I don't think sitting out one week is going to change his status for the next week if the Eagles advance. If he's not going to play, he's going to be out for the year. That's just my opinion because it's it when once he starts rehab with that lacerated kidney, he's going to be done for a couple of months. Um, that's just the way the injury works. But if he wants to play and he re-injures that, he takes a bad hit, you know, he's going to be gone for a lot longer than that. So I think that's just, you just got to find that balance between wanting to compete and wanting to be smart. Uh, I think the Eagles offense or the, the coaching staff and the medical staff are definitely in his ear, giving him that the right advice. But at the end of the day, you know, the players hold a lot of power. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Ertz wants to do and the impact that he would have if he's going to play in the game. Um, another similar play, player to that is Lane Johnson. He's being worked into practice this week. He's limited. Similar to Ertz today, he started working um, on his own onto the side of the practice field, but he's probably going to want to work into the um, offense going into the going into the game on Sunday. Right now, Baitai's taking his spot at right tackle. He's been okay, but obviously not going to be as good as Lane Johnson is. Having Lane Johnson back is huge, and he is a, definitely another player that's going to be wanting to push to play in the playoffs because he has that competitive edge to him. Um, so, Eric, what do you think? How important is it for Lane Johnson to play? You know, obviously it's important for Sanders Ertz to play, but Lane Johnson, man, this is one of the best players on the offensive line, best players in the NFL offensive line-wise. Um, how important is it for him to step on the field? I mean, you kind of, again, you kind of summed it up there perfectly. I, I don't even look at this purely from an offensive talent perspective. I look at it more from like an offensive leader perspective. He's been there before. He knows what it's going to take. He knows what he has to put in. He knows what other guys have to put in. And honestly, if I had to line up next to somebody going into a playoff game against a team like Seattle, where the Eagles are going to be surprise, surprise, underdogs again, there's nobody else I'd rather line up with than a guy like Lane Johnson. He's a warrior. He's battled a ton. And I just want to give a lot of credit to the entire Philadelphia Eagles organization for this year for battling all the injuries they've had. I mean, I've been sick the last week with like a headache, sniffles, and you know, a sore throat. And I've like been out of commission for like ever. And these guys are battling, you know, lacerated kidneys, ankle sprains, broken ribs, and they want to play against, you know, 300 pound men. I give them a lot of credit. And the guys like Lane Johnson, guys like Zach Ertz continue to battle. But to go back to Lane Johnson, there's no other guy I want to line up against. And like you said, there are guys that can fill. And we mentioned a couple of them before we started recording. But honestly, a guy like Lane Johnson, you really don't have a replacement for. I mean, it's probably going to take two or three guys molded together to be a Lane Johnson. But he is absolutely vital for this team. I'd rather have Lane Johnson than Zach Ertz or Miles Sanders. I think the Eagles, if they had to pick one of three, I'd rather have Lane Johnson just because I think that the other two are more expendable with Goddard and other running backs that we mentioned before. But Lane Johnson of the three to me is the most important. Definitely. Um, Lane Johnson, 
back two years ago when the Eagles were winning the Super Bowl and going into the playoffs as underdogs every single game. Um, they were the first home playoff team ever, I think, that that, that were the underdogs to open the game. Um, him and Chris Long were the ones that broke out the dog masks. They were the ones that were the underdog uh, mentality behind that whole offseason or the whole uh, postseason, you know, slogan of being the underdog and embracing that mentality. He was the face of it. So I think just having him on the field and getting his his words and encouragement into everybody on that team is so important because, like you said, he is such a big leader. He knows what it takes. Um, I think out of all of them, he's definitely going to be the most ready to go because um, he suffered that injury against the Giants in, was that week 14, I believe? So he's going to be the most healthy, in my opinion. Um, I think he's definitely the most important to play in the game because I was at the game against the Giants when he went down a couple of weeks ago. And in my mind, you know, I think the Eagles were down at the time because Eli Manning threw those two deep touchdowns on Ronald Darby. Um, I was just thinking, I can't remember how many times the Eagles are missing a key offensive lineman and end up winning a game. I was very concerned that the Eagles were going to end up losing that game because it seems like every time one of their Pro Bowl, All-Pro level offensive linemen and Jason Kelsey, Brandon Brooks, Lane Johnson goes down with an injury, they most likely are going to lose that game because that is so important to keep the whole offense rolling is keeping that tight um, protection up in front. But they end up winning that game. They end up winning the next three games. Um, Lane Johnson is still a focal point of this this offense. And the Eagles' past matchups between the Giants, Redskins, and Cowboys, it doesn't equate to you know, the Seahawks, the Saints, the 49ers, teams that they might play in the playoffs um, after the Seahawks. So having Lane Johnson being able to protect Carson Wentz and the entire offense is super important. I think he's definitely going to step onto the field. Um, and if he does, we might see a couple of changes. So Brandon Brooks is out for the year. As you guys probably saw, he's on the IR with that dislocated shoulder. Um, but Doug Peterson said there's some extra damage um, in the sh- shoulder area. Probably going to require a little bit of surgery just to clean up the ligaments over there. Um, but throughout the game against the Giants, Matt Pryor filled in. He did an okay job, but it was some, his, he's someone that was criticized a lot in the preseason because um, he had way too many penalties. He just wasn't good in pass protection, uh, but he filled in okay. He's, he's a huge player. Um, I forget how tall he is, but man, he looks ginormous out on the field. So as long as he can just clog up those holes and not let anybody buy him, he will be an okay replacement. But if Lane Johnson returns, I would honestly consider putting Vitae over that right guard because people tend to forget that all offseason he was playing at right guard in case Brandon Brooks wasn't ready to go week one, week two. Obviously, Brandon Brooks came back from that Achilles injury. He was ready to go week one. But Vitae has a lot of experience there because he spent months learning the position and did really well there. Eric, who do you think would be best to fill in at right guard if Lane Johnson is good to go? Well, you talked about it there. You're talking about a couple different scenarios. But when it comes down to it, this is a huge playoff game. It's against a team like Seattle where the Eagles played earlier in the year, which we'll mention probably later as well. And it's a team I think they have the potential to beat. So you kind of have to pull out all the stops. This isn't a team like I think the Ravens who are, are kind of kind of run away with their conference. This is a team that you can easily beat if you do the right things. And when it comes down to it, playoffs are a lot about heart, but they're also a lot about experience. People have been there before. It's why the Patriots have a lot of success and experience is a lot of it. So when you talk about a guy like Viatai who has experience there, he knows what he's doing. 
He's prepped there. He might not be the best at it, obviously, because he's not supposed to be there 100% of the time. But I'd roll with the guy who's experienced. I'd roll with Vitae. Yeah, I completely agree with that because he has the experience all offseason. Plus, he was the left tackle for the Super Bowl run. Jason Peters went down um, midseason, and Vitae was asked to step in. And he, although he had a slow start um, to his career, he really stepped into a bigger role. And he seems like he's probably not going to be a full-time starter for a team his whole career, but he's one of those decent backups they can plug in. And he's proven that he's now a versatile backup that can go everywhere. And um, in the offseason, I wrote an article about how Vitae was playing really well at right guard, and he already has experience at right tackle, left tackle, that the Eagles might use him as a trade piece because um, his value was never higher. You can use him to try to get another player, another pick out of it. And I was staying true to that. I thought for sure that the Eagles should uh, move Vitae for a trade piece. And now I'm so glad that they didn't because now Vitae is now a huge piece. I hope that he steps in at right guard some point in the game. I think that I haven't heard much about what they're going to do. Um, I would imagine that the Eagles are probably going to start with Matt Pryor there. But if he's struggling, Vitae is definitely the next one to go um, in at right guard. And another scenario that I saw... Brendan Walker, he was on the podcast a couple weeks ago on Twitter. He said, what if the Eagles put Jason Peters at right guard? Jason Peters is a player that expressed time after time in the past couple of years that in order to extend his career, he would consider moving inside on the offensive line at either left guard or right guard. Now with a huge injury in Brandon Brooks, Brandon was proposing that the Eagles put Jason Peters at right guard, Lane Johnson at right tackle, and Andre Diller, the rookie, um at left tackle that would be a lot of change in the offensive line that's that would be the most change in any scenario that we're proposing here eric what do you think about moving jp over i mean a guy like that if you're going to prolong his career and it's going to get a lot out of it i'd be all for but honestly i love andre dillard i got the chance to meet him at the eagles open practice back in august and he wowed me a lot i mean granted this season hasn't been his coming out moment it's definitely been the miles sanders coming out party but I think he's going to bring a lot to the Eagles down the line. I think he's definitely one of their better first-round picks, and the Eagles have definitely needed a guy like that to come in with a lot of their linemen getting older. I mean, granted, their offensive line is one of the best in the league, but it's not getting any younger any single year. So it is a lot of movement, but it is an opportunity the Eagles could explore. I think Dillard could bring a lot into it. But the only thing, as we talk about when it comes to playoffs, Dillard doesn't have that kind of experience, and to be a rookie, to be kind of thrust into that, with a, with a lot of movement, with a defensive line like Seattle, it might be a little much, a little bit too early, but it is a possibility to explore depending on how injuries fall. And honestly, Seattle is a very ferocious team. It could be another injury to somebody else that we don't even know about right this moment. That could be a possibility that has to come into play. But I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Dillard that early, but I would just roll with somebody who has a little bit more experience at that moment. I completely agree. If it was the regular season, I would say all for it go try to make that change and see how it works but now you're in the postseason you have to be a little bit more careful with these kind of dramatic changes because not only are you asking jason peters to move inside but a completely different side of the football um he's going from left side to the to the right side um that's a big change from a tackle to guard left to right uh, you're changing every single aspect of his play um and he's older too he he can probably hold up against the bigger defensive tackles in the league but I would imagine that he's going to get beaten a, a few times. Um, he's not going to have so much success there. And Dillard, as far as that goes, 
I don't think he's going to step in and be, you know, someone that's going to give up zero sacks and zero pressures the entire game. He's definitely going to have his struggles. So I think I'd rather take one player struggling and maybe Vitae at right, right guard rather than two players struggling with Dillard at left tackle and Peters at right guard. That could be something they experiment with in the offseason if they choose to keep Jason Peters around. I don't think they will. I think he's definitely going to retire after this year. But say he does, maybe that's something that they want to play around with. Um, probably on the left side because Brandon Brooks is going to be back. But it's not the time to do that right now. Another thing I want to bring up is with Ertz injured right now, say the Eagles offense was completely healthy as far as um, the last couple of games have gone. Say they have that that offensive group. Having Ertz healthy on the field, you can put him out running routes. And then you would think you can put Goddard over on the right side and have him be an extra blocker, you know, chip some pass rushers and stuff like that. Um, but now that Ertz might not even play, you have to rely on Goddard for running the routes. And you might be putting someone like Perkins or um, Richard Rogers in to do the blocking. Or maybe they're going to run the routes and Goddard do the blocking. So it changes a lot because if the Eagles are completely healthy, Goddard can just block the entire game and they'd be set. They wouldn't have to worry about moving all these players around because Goddard's a good blocker and they can utilize him in that way. But now that Ertz might not play, Goddard is going to be primed for a big role in the offense, but it's not going to be blocking. It's going to be catching the football and running a lot of routes. So um, I think that's just something interesting because the injuries, obviously, they mean a lot to the team, but it shakes up a lot in the offense, especially in this situation. I agree 100%. Yeah, so, um, you know, the injuries have been big for this team. You know, they, they've been missing a lot of key players. But now, you know, they have the players that they've been working with the past couple of games with Boston Scott, Greg Ward, Carson Wentz is playing really well. Um, going forward into this game, Eric, what is who is one offensive player besides Carson Wentz that you think is going to have to have a huge game um, and lead this team to victory? To me personally, the entire Eagles franchise this year, their motto should be next man up. And it's been prevalent since probably week one with the first type of injuries. The Eagles have just continued to pull guys out of nowhere and still continue to sub them in. Boston Scott, Dallas Goddard. I mean, Dallas Goddard, probably not as much as Boston Scott, but guys continue to step up, make big plays, Greg Ward especially. For me, I need a guy like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside to come out and do something. For me, he's a guy who's drafted in the second round, hasn't really shown up much this season except for a couple drops, which everybody loves to throw at him. But he's a guy who people loved coming out of college, people were excited to see. People were kind of questioning why he was taking over Metcalf and that kind of comparison. So for me, it's Ortega Whiteside because he finally has the opportunity where he's going to be seeing our, uh, he's going to be seeing Metcalf on the other side of the ball with Seattle. He finally has the opportunity to prove one, why he was drafted higher and two, why he's the better athlete and ultimately that he belongs in Philly. He was deserving of a second round pick. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think Ortega Whiteside is definitely getting forgotten this offense because Ertz has been blowing up. The running game has been, been playing really well. Um, Greg Ward is their number one receiver right now. And J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, he hasn't had a great season, just kind of falling behind and not really getting much attention. But I think that's definitely a great pick for someone who needs to break out. He didn't have a lot of action last game because he was dealing with a foot injury. But I think he's definitely going to be ready to go against the, uh, against the Seahawks. And he's going to be playing a lot more snaps, but hopefully he can finally step into the role that the Eagles expected him to. Um, You've seen a lot of criticism thrown towards his way so far this season. And I had a podcast a couple of weeks ago just saying that 
although it's not good to see him struggling so much, dropping passes. He dropped, what, two or three touchdowns so far this season. Um, even though there's a lot of struggling, the Eagles brought him in. Although a second-round pick, they brought him in as their fourth or fifth wide receiver this offseason. And then a couple of weeks go by, all of a sudden he's the number one, number two option. Um, that's a lot of stress on a receiver that probably didn't get a lot of attention over the offseason because they're more focused on grooming Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz. But now that J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is a top guy in this offense, um, he's, in my opinion, he's number two behind Greg Ward right now, and Nelson Aguilar looking like he's not going to play, he's definitely going to be someone that needs to step up and play a better game. Um, and like you said, there's that c- competitive edge between him and D.K. Metcalf um, to try to show that he deserves to be drafted higher than him. Obviously, it doesn't look like that at all right now, but in the playoffs, this is what matters. Um, trying to get J.J. Ortega-Whiteside to catch a lot of balls, uh, maybe score. Eric, what do you think a possible stat line for JJ could be? Honestly, if I had to, like, the best-case scenario, I'd say, like, 60 yards receiving and a touchdown. I think he's got to find the end zone, especially with the top receivers going to be guys like Greg Ward, Dallas Goddard, and insert player here. It's going to have to be a big game from a guy like Ortega Whiteside, especially getting drafted in the second round. I mean, I can understand if you – or a third, fourth, or undrafted guy, then I can understand a little bit better. But to get drafted in the first or second round, you really have to live up to that. And I think a guy like Nelson Aguilar really hasn't done that, aside from maybe one season. So I think it's imperative that he gets out to a fast start. And this is honestly the game where you have to, because you don't have Deshaun Jackson. You don't have Alshon Jeffrey. You don't have Nelson Aguilar, most likely. You really have no excuses to kind of get it together. Carson Wentz is going to have to rely on somebody so to get 60 yards and a touchdown really shouldn't be that hard, but let's start there for Ortega Whiteside. Yeah, I think that's very possible. I think you can achieve that. Uh, my player on offense, I think that's going to need to step up. Um, kind of an easy choice, but I think this is definitely um, has a lot behind it is Boston Scott. I think he's definitely the hot hand on offense right now because he's coming off of a three-touchdown game against the Giants. Um, a couple weeks ago against the Giants, he had, I think, two touchdowns. He's playing really good football right now. Like Miles Sanders, he's good at running the football, but also catching the football. He's a dynamic player like Darren Sproles, uh, kind of what he supplied to the offense. And he's a similar build as Darren Sproles and also a similar playing style. Um, the team is rallying behind him. Everybody loves Boston Scott. He's another fan favorite just because of the way he plays, the, what he brings to the table. Um, but what I want to point out is when the Eagles played the Seahawks a couple weeks or several weeks back, Boston Scott, I believe he was on the team. Um, I believe he was promoted from the practice at that point, but I don't think he was, um, you know, introduced to the Seahawks as much as he is against these teams late in the season. This They probably didn't see a Boston Scott getting 10, 15 carries. I know that for a fact. So the fact that the Seahawks really don't know much about Boston Scott other than watching his film right now, they don't have the playing experience against him like they did with, um, you know, Sanders and, you know, other players like that, Boston Scott is primed for a big role to step in and say, hey, they don't know what I'm like. They can watch me on film all they want, but I'm going to step in. I'm going to have a great game. I'm going to carry this momentum that I'm building right now, and I'm going to dominate the game because they don't know what I'm I'm made of. They don't know what I can bring to the table like 
pretty much every team in the league doesn't know what Boston Scott is. He's forgotten, but all of a sudden he's blowing up. Um, I think he's definitely going to carry that momentum and hopefully get another two touch uh, about a two touchdown game against the Seahawks and carry this Eagles running game that's going to probably be without a healthy Sanders. Um, maybe Sanders plays, but probably not into a big role. I think when you talk about the Eagles going into the season, it was, oh my gosh, we got Sanders in the draft. We got Jordan Howard coming over. Darren Sproles was back for a legacy year. Nobody was even talking about Boston Scott. And now here we are in a playoff game saying, I hope Boston Scott runs for another three touchdowns. I think, first of all, it's absolutely crazy to hear. But when you think about it from this perspective, you can watch all the film you want. You can watch all the tape you want on a guy. But honestly, the biggest part about an athlete is what they have inside, like their internal motor, their internal thinking and stuff like that. And Boston Scott's just a warrior to be bouncing around practice squads, to be bouncing around everywhere to somehow have a chance to then be a backup to Sanders, to then get your chance to be there with Howard. He's been thrust into so many different roles and opportunities with so few carries and so many carries. And just to be the guy called on week 17 to go out and put a performance against a divisional rival and divisional rivals are never easy games. I mean, look at new England. They just lost the dolphins in a game where if they win, they get a first round bye. So again, divisional games are not a given. Boston Scott goes out, puts up the best performance of his life. It's all the NFL honors and still doesn't care. Still is very humble and honest and knows that that's just one game. The Eagles still have to win three more to get to the Super Bowl. I love Boston Scott. He's clearly a fan favorite. He's clearly earning his money. Still not getting paid huge NFL contracts like other players. To me, he's a guy who's going to have a huge impact in this game, especially because Carson Wentz is, again, going to be throwing to lower-level guys. Boston Scott's going to be imperative. I really hope the Eagles do a good job of splitting both runs and passes. I know it's been a common thread all year that some people have complained about the number of times Wentz had to throw the ball as opposed to running it. But I really hope the Eagles embrace Scott. They don't keep any training wheels on him because he's not Sanders or Howard. I hope they kind of give him the same leash provided he provides the same you know output. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned his work ethic. And after Greg Ward caught that game winning touchdown against the Redskins, uh, Dave Spadaro interviewed him. And in that interview, Ward talked about Boston Scott a lot. Um, he was saying how he's such a hard worker and, you know, he's, he's come a long way coming from, you know, the Saints practice squad. He was a walk on in college and he was, you know, trying to prove to everybody that he's ready to go. Um, he's definitely a very humble player, and but also on the field, he has that X-factor capability. He can definitely take the balls to the house wherever he is, um, kind of like Darren Sproles was in the offense a couple of years ago. And, you know, the Eagles can line him up out wide. He can start from the backfield, whatever, it could, whatever it's going to be. He can make an impact wherever he is. And I like that so much about him because he's a matchup nightmare. You can try to put a linebacker, a safety, whatever you want on him, he's probably going to win that matchup. And when he's rushing the football, it's so hard to find um, him behind the line. You know, you got these big guys like Jason Peters and Lane Johnson in front of him. It's so hard to find little Boston Scott run the football behind him. But then he finds that hole. He's He goes right through it, and it's game over. And uh, the Seahawks are going to be without Michael Kendricks and their linebacker group in that second level of the defense. So I think that's definitely a big blow to the Seahawks. They don't have their best linebacker or one of their best linebackers. I'm sorry to, um, you know, try to stop Boston Scott once he gets past the defensive line. So that's got definitely going to be huge to look out for again, another matchup nightmare because you don't have Kendricks to your disposal to put on Boston Scott. Um, I think he's primed for a great game, but going over to the defensive side of the football, the Eagles are playing really good defense as of late. They're really good at home. They're thankfully getting a home football game, 
Um, Eric, who is one defensive player who needs to step up and lead this team to victory? I'll be honest with you. I'm really an offensive guy. So what I, it's very hard for me to kind of pick out one defensive guy, but I don't want to be mainstream here, but I'm going to go with, I'm going to say Malcolm Jenkins because he is the leader of the defense. And I think when you think of a lot of the problems the Eagles have had this season, it's been on that back end. I'm not saying it's all Malcolm Jenkins, but he's a guy who's played all defensive snaps. He's a guy who leads this offense. He is a focal point. And I think if the Eagles are going to step up, stop Russell Wilson, it's going to come from him. What a lot of people don't remember is Russell Wilson, when he played the Eagles week 12, had 200 passing yards. And the Eagles held him to 13 completions. That's insane for a guy of Russell Wilson's talent, somebody who was an MVP frontrunner until Lamar Jackson became Lamar Jackson 3.0. He was that guy. And the fact the Eagles held him to a sloppy performance says a lot about this heart of the Eagles defense. They've gotten criticized all season long. Their secondary has been burned. I'm not going to defend them because their secondary has been burned a lot. But I think when it starts on defense, it has to start with that back end. I think Malcolm Jenkins is going to be able to get those corners in shape. And I think he's going to really have to help out over the top with guys like Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, stuff like that. So I'm really looking on Malcolm Jenkins to be that leader, be that focal point. He's up for man of the year award. I hope he gets that too. But for me, it all relies on Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah. Jenkins is a player that started late, uh, started slow to the season. You know, he had that contract dispute over the off season, really nothing came from it. And then he didn't really prove his worth early in the year. He wasn't playing up to the level that we know Malcolm Jenkins could play to. But as of late, he's been playing really good football. Against the Giants, he played really well. Him and Rodney McLeod are definitely one of the best safety duos in the league right now. Um, Probably one of the best in the playoffs as well. But, you know, having Malcolm Jenkins on his playing ability, but his leadership is so important for this game. He knows what it takes to win the games. Um, But also the way that Jenkins plays the game. He can line up wherever he wants and still have an impact. And I think playing against a smart quarterback like Russell Wilson, you need a player like Malcolm Jenkins to combat that because Jenkins, time after time, you see him calling out plays on defense. He knows what the offense is going to do. He's been in the league for so long, and he's also just a smart player overall. He knows how to play the game, but also how to digest an opposing offense. Um, I think just having him, you know, playing to the way he is right now, but having him, you know, spy on Russell Wilson a couple of times you know, guard Marshawn Lynch coming out of the, uh, the coming out of the backfield, try to defend him, you know, defending the back end of the de- defensive backfield. He has so many roles on this, on this defensive side of the ball that he can make it happen anywhere. I think he can definitely get a, a forced fumble or inter- interception and change this game around. And not to mention, like I said before, the Eagles defense is so good at home this year. I think they're averaging, well, like 15, 16 points to opposing offenses. They held the, um, Seattle Seahawks to what was it 17 points against the uh, I believe against the 17 Eagles. Yeah. yeah yeah so that's that's crazy the Seahawks were playing so well earlier in the year when the Eagles played them and the defense really held their own they played really well against them if you take away all the turnovers that the offense had and um, the poor play from Wentz in the offense the Eagles could have easily won that game and I think we're definitely going to see them be hungry for that victory and the defense is going to still play lights out and try to hold Russell Wilson to a terrible day on offense. My player is Brandon Graham. I think he definitely is an easy player to pick, but definitely um, one that can't go unnoticed because he 
the Eagles definitely need to create pressure on Wilson, um, and you need to be tireless with it because Wilson can escape the pocket, but then he's not going to stop there. He's going to run around until someone gets open. I agree. So going forward, um, the Eagles need to win this game, obviously, to advance in the playoffs. Um, so, Eric, what is a couple uh, keys to victory for this Eagles victory? Well, like I mentioned before, really stopping Russell Wilson, the Eagles did a good job of that the first time. And it was honestly, if you remember, a very sloppy game back and forth. It was probably one of the worst uh games of the Eagles season just offensively and defensively. I mean, defensively they held Russell Wilson, but that was probably the most painful game of the year to watch aside from maybe the first Dallas game. But other than that, I think it's really shutting down Russell Wilson, eliminating his effectiveness on offense. I think Carson Wentz is going to have some struggles getting his offensive weapons going into playoffs, but I think that home crowd is going to be huge. I think Carson Wentz is really going to have to feed off of that. I think a lot of people have been, you know, throwing the, Carson Wentz can't make take the Eagles to the playoffs while he's there now. Carson Wentz can't win a playoff game. I think it's kind of like that next step for him. I think it's going to be a huge coming out day for Carson Wentz. He finally has that opportunity. Granted, it's not with the same weapons he thought he'd be going in with, and it's not the same opportunities. Probably the Eagles would have expected, hoping for a first-round bye before the season started. But I think it's going to be huge for the Eagles to just hit the ground running, whether it's offensive or defensively first, and just continue to each possession, not get down if something goes wrong. Russell Wilson's probably going to play action, hit somebody deep and score a touchdown. Marshawn Lynch will probably break a tackle and go for a big gain. But most importantly against Seattle, you can't get down because Seattle does make a lot of mistakes. Seattle got very close against the 49ers and they fell short. Seattle had a couple of bad losses early in the year and almost lost the Bengals week one too. Granted, week one's a long time ago, but still Seattle is a vulnerable team. So you can't let Seattle get you down and get discouraged. I think the Eagles have done a good job of that in recent history of just continuing to play next man up, continuing to evolve, grow, different things like that. So if I'm the Eagles, don't get discouraged, continue to fight and realize that Seattle will make mistakes and capitalize on those and make Russell Wilson pay. Yeah, I agree. The Eagles definitely haven't been playing well against the Seahawks in the past. I think they're 0-5 against the Seahawks um, the past five times that they've played them. But I think now is the time to change that, change it around and make the Eagles victorious and move on in the playoffs. And I think the biggest way, the best way possible to do that is to bring pressure against Russell Wilson. Like you said, that's definitely going to be the key to victory for every single team facing the Seahawks, no matter when you're playing them, because he's such a good quarterback and escaping the pocket, making it happen himself, but also running the football if nothing's available you know he's that dual threat quarterback that you always have to keep an eye on make sure that he's not getting forgotten about um if the eagles can get pressure on him i think that's definitely going to lead them to a victory because their running group is not good right now they have marshawn lynch um you know i forget who else they even picked up what was it um They've been oh, trying they, out a bunch of different guys. Yeah, they have. Uh, they still have Homer on the, the on the team, but you know, I, I think they um, Robert Turbin. They signed him as well. They they don't have a good running group at all. So it's not like the Eagles need to, uh, you know, keep a lot of eyes on their running backs. Obviously, you can't take them out of the game completely because you still don't know what they can bring to the table. But it's not like they need to bring all that attention like they would have to do with Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, players like that. So bringing the pressure, knowing that Russell Wilson's probably going to have to do it himself 80% of the time, they can definitely try to limit his game because he knows the Eagles know that they're not going to be able to dump it off to the running backs and 
have the offense roll like that. Uh, I think that's definitely going to be important. I think the Eagles match up against the Seahawks the best out of all these teams in the playoffs so far. Um, but going off your point as well with Wentz getting that playoff experience, I think another key to victory is everybody just playing for Wentz, giving him the best chance to win this football game because although he can make it happen himself, he can, like Russell Wilson, escape the pocket, make the throws happen. He's thrown some fantastic balls these past couple of weeks. Um, but making the catch, getting the yards after catch, making the play when the play comes to you. That's every. That's what he says before every single game in the locker, a locker room, uh, in the huddle before he breaks it. He's saying, make it happen when the play comes to you. That's the easiest thing. That's the best thing that you can do. You're not going to be involved in every single play, but when you are, don't drop the ball. Don't fumble it away. Make your play. Do everything that you can to help this team out. Um, he's definitely a good team player. He's been a great leader these past couple of weeks. I think everybody needs to play to Wentz's advantage and try to give this offense some, you know, home run ability and score some big touchdowns. I think put the league on notice a little bit because everybody's looking at the Eagles as the worst team in the playoffs. On paper, they look terrible. But if you look at the team as a whole, the way they play, the level of heart they put into the games right now, man, they're going to be scary to play. I agree. And the one thing that a lot of people don't remember, too, is when the Eagles played the Seahawks week 12, the big name, which I went back and looked at a couple of stats, the name that kind of blew me away was Rashad Penny. He ran for over 100 yards that game. Now, granted, he's not going to be playing in this game. Neither is Carson, a couple of their guys that they've been, not Carson Wentz, Chris Carson, a bunch of other guys that had running the ball that day. But that was kind of a freak performance from Rashad Penny, a guy who I thought coming out of college from San Diego State could do something. But he hasn't lived up to anything since that game. Granted, he got hurt. But that was a freak performance from that regard, too. So like you said, with the running backs coming out of the backfield for Seattle, it's going to be Marshawn Lynch and a cast of nobody. So if you're able to keep Marshawn Lynch in check, and the 49ers did a good job of that, I like the Eagles' run defense to keep Marshawn Lynch in check as well. But like you said, then it really just comes down to Russell Wilson. And he only had 15 yards rushed against the Eagles. So if you're able to force Russell Wilson to be a pocket passer, I'd love that because if Russell Wilson gets space, He's lethal. He's dangerous. He's going to burn you. and He has the guys to do it. So if you can really force Seattle to have no run game, make Russell Wilson throw the football, I think you'll find a lot of success beating them. It just comes down to, you know, playing for Wentz. And I think the Eagles will be able to do that. I think they have just enough that they'll be able to do that. Yeah, for sure. And the Eagles secondary has been playing really well lately. Guys like Sidney Jones are stepping up. Avante Maddox, Craven LeBlanc, they're playing pretty well to try to lead this defense the best possible performance um and you mentioned the game against the seahawks in week 12 another thing about that game is the seahawks missed on a couple of big um big completions big touchdowns in that matter they scored on a trick play i believe um but you know they they missed the ball uh they missed an easy touchdown to dk metcalf early in the game um they're going to try to come out firing Russell Wilson is going to try to get some big completions to his receivers like Lockett and Metcalf to start the game because the Eagles secondary looks very vulnerable. They're not, they don't have their starting cornerbacks and Ronald Darby. Um, Jalen Mills is likely to play, but it on paper, their defensive backfield doesn't look that good. Little do they know that the Eagles are playing really good defense right now and they play really good defense at home. But I still believe that the Seahawks are going to come out firing and try to get those big plays against the Eagles, as many teams have this season. Um, but another key to victory is just making sure that you keep the ball in front of you on defense. The Eagles play a lot of that um, you know, off coverage 
on on defense. They play their cornerbacks very far off the ball. I don't think they should play that kind of um, in that kind of mindset. But you know, maybe keeping Rodney McLeod back there more often than not, or um, Malcolm Jenkins, or double coverage, whatever it may be. Don't give up the deep ball. Don't give up the big chunk plays. Keep everything in front of you. Try to keep as much pressure on Wilson um, as as you can. You know, don't give up a 20-yard play because that's going to give the momentum to the Seahawks so easily. Wilson's a great leader. Um, You know what he can do with the football. You know what he can do on offense. But if the Eagles don't let him get rolling in that matter and keep everything in front, um, they're going to tire out the opposing offense and they're going to get off the field pretty quickly because I'm going to imagine the Eagles are going to have a good amount of three and outs for us on the Seahawks. I agree. And another key thing I don't, I don't want to keep, you know, a key upon a key upon a key, but you can't let Russell Wilson have the ball at the end of the game. The Eagles have to make sure they control that clock because when it gets down to it, if the Eagles have the ball late, I'm a little bit hesitant because, you know, if the Eagles get down late because Russell Wilson makes a game winning drive late, I don't know if they can do it just because of late game jitters. Carson wants his first playoff game, which I don't think will be that big of a factor, but it's going to weigh in somewhat. But guys like Boston Scott, guys like Ortega Whiteside, they're going to have rookie jitters towards the end of the game if they know it's on the line. So I think the Eagles will have to find a way to not only win, but have a decent enough lead that they don't have to worry about Russell Wilson coming back and scoring a touchdown with like a minute 10 or 45 seconds left, something like that. I think a lot of the game is going to be decided on how much time's left and when Russell Wilson has the ball last. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely something big to consider. He's a player like Aaron Rodgers that you don't want him to have that last drive of the game because it's scary to have them march on the field and potentially win the game Um, against the 49ers last week. That was very rare for Russell Wilson to have, what, eight chances in the red zone and not score on any of them. Um, They came very close, inches away, but that's very rare for the Seahawks offense to not make it happen, especially Wilson, um, quarterback in the offense. So, I don't think that's going to stay true. I don't think the if the Seahawks get another chance like that, I don't think the they're going to come out empty-handed. Um, so having the Eagles put the pressure on and try to get an early lead is definitely important. So great point there. Um, to close things out with us, Eric, can you give me one bold prediction and your score prediction for the game on Sunday? I think that I don't really know if it's too bold, but I think the leading receiver for the Eagles is going to be Dallas Goddard. Last week, it was Boston Scott. I think it's going to be Dallas Goddard this week. We talked about, you know, Boston Scott being that guy. I think Seattle's going to try to sell out and stop him, which is something I never thought I'd say. But Dallas Goddard's going to really have to step up because I don't know personally if Ortega Whiteside's in the position yet to do it, as I talked about earlier. But I think Carson Wentz loves to throw at tight ends. I don't imagine that Zach Ertz will be available to go. And quite honestly, I hope that he's not, and he recovers and gets 100%. So if the Eagles do win this game, which I think they will, that they're able to move on and use him later on. But I think Dallas Goddard is going to have to be that tight end, step up, be huge. And I think Dallas Goddard goes for 75 yards and a touchdown. I think he's going to have to be that guy. Yeah, that's a great pick. I think Goddard's definitely primed for a good game because um, in weeks past, when Ertz has been banged up, um, he had a great game against the Cowboys, pretty good game against the Giants. I think that trend is going to continue, especially if Ertz is out of the game. I mentioned earlier that in a perfect world, you just have Goddard um, blocking a lot when, with his offensive line getting banged up. But now that Ertz might not play, um, Goddard's going to be the one that's going to have to run a lot of routes and try to catch the ball a lot. And Wentz has a great connection with him. Whenever 
Uh, the Eagles need a big play, especially on like a third down. Um, it happened the past two weeks against the Cowboys and the Giants. Goddard was the one that bailed them out. So uh, I think that's definitely important to consider. Goddard's definitely the candidate to have a great game. My bold prediction is Greg Ford. I think he's going to have two touchdowns. Um, Greg Ford has been playing pretty well these past couple of weeks. Um, had that game-winning touchdown against the Redskins. His connection with Wentz is very good right now. They're developing it over the past several weeks. Um, I think Greg Ward is going to find the end zone twice just because of his, like Boston Scott, he's that X factor. He was a quarterback in college. They can run some jet sweeps with him. It didn't really work well um, last week. I think he had like an eight-yard loss. But um, going forward, I think he's definitely someone to consider to have a great game because he can line up outside in the slot possibly as a running back, um, whatever it's going to be, he's going to have an impact wherever he is. I think Boston Scott and Greg Ward are definitely my candidates to have a great game. And Greg Ward, I think, is going to be the one that has two scores. And I'm going to say the Eagles are going to win this game 21-13. to 13. The defense is going to come up huge again, limiting the Seahawks to just 13 points. I said 27-23, I believe, in my prediction. I think the Eagles' offense is going to do a little bit better than they did the last time. I mean, Anything's better than nine points, I guess. You get a touchdown on the board. But like I said, I'm hoping it's touchdowns from big guys like Goddard or Thega Whiteside. But I think 13 is a little bit low for Russell Wilson. I think he's going to be able to expose the Eagles defense just because he's going to get out. He's going to be more mobile. 15 rushing yards is way too few to hold him to this time. I think he's going to break out a little bit. But I think the Eagles are really going to build off that home crowd. And honestly, they're playing with house money at this point. I mean, they're not supposed to be here. They probably shouldn't have made the playoffs. If they were in any other division, they would not have. The Eagles really don't deserve to be here other than the fact that they were in the NFC East with all their injuries and things like that. But they're still plugging along. They're still chugging. They're still fighting. And there's something dangerous about them. Pete Carroll said they're playing like playoff football team. They're playing like a championship football team. And honestly, if there's one team I wouldn't want to face right now, it's the Eagles because I don't quite literally know who is going to take the field and I'm an Eagles fan. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're the hottest team right now. You can't count them out. They have that underdog mentality these past three years now. Um, this year is nothing different. So, honestly, it's a scary thought to have to play the Eagles. I, I don't think the Seahawks should underestimate them at all. I think the Seahawks players will definitely underestimate them. I don't think the coaching staff will. They're probably going to have to try to prepare these players so much, but they're probably just going to be like, eh, what, whatever, it's the Eagles. I can't even name 10 players on the team right now, but... Man, that's exactly what we want it to be. We want them to underestimate the Eagles as much as possible so when the Eagles come out firing, they don't know what to do. They're going to be lost, and that's why I think they're going to be limited just 13 points. Eagles are going to shock them early. The crowd is going to be roaring. It's in the link, which is super important. The team plays really well there. Um, playoff atmosphere. I think it's going to be a great game, and I'm very excited to watch it. I agree. This is the one matchup for the Eagles. If I had to pick any team in the NFC to play first round, I would want to play Seattle because we played them earlier because I think they're the most vulnerable. And I'm really glad the Eagles have this path and potentially a path to get a team that they beat already next round and potentially a home playoff game if everything falls right. So let's keep hoping on the Eagles. They love being underdogs, right? Yeah, they definitely do. Um, Eric, thank you so much for coming on today. It was a great discussion. Uh, really enjoyed talking Eagles football with you and I'm really looking forward to the game on Sunday I appreciate you having me anytime yeah so like we said the game is against the Seahawks Sunday 4 40 p.m make sure you're all tuned into it I hope you all enjoyed the discussion today make sure you subscribe on your favorite platform Spotify Apple Podcasts, whatever it is so you never miss another Burt's banter 
And we're going to keep saying this until the Eagles are winning on Sunday. Go Birds! Thank you.